Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We've got another cool guest on our phone today. She is somewhere in Alberta. Yeah, that's that's what's I going think on. Ed- are you in Edmonton? Yes, I've lived in Edmonton for the past 10 years. Okay. Cool. Well, yeah, we've got a business coach on our phone. She is also a registered massage therapist. I think tonight's going to be a pretty cool conversation, especially with all of the the constant changing environment that can come with a healthcare type of business in this climate right now. I think it'll be great to hear from a business coach. Yes, absolutely. And a Canadian business coach. I was just mentioning off mic that we have had some business coaches on the broadcast before and they've all been amazing. Not all, not all. Richard J. Platt. I didn't say all. I said they've all been amazing. Uh, Well, yes, Richard J. Platt has been amazing. (laughs) They've all been amazing. Uh, But yeah, majority have been American. So it it is exciting when we get some Canadian coaches on. Because I like the American attitude. My name is Mark. Bye, my shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't know. I don't know if that's actually the way it is, but that's the way I see it. Yeah. My name's Mark. Buy my shit. Uh, well, we'll, we'll Sign get to right see. Here. We'll get to see what the Canadian. I don't Canadian... know what accent that was. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> kind of southern. I lost my mind already. Yeah, you're nuts. Hey, everyone. It's Amanda. Like and southern it is from like Georgia or something? Okay. Yeah, no, I'm not, even, I'm not even entertaining your nonsense <laughs> anymore. Okay. We're at that point now. It is almost 9 p.m. here in Toronto. And we've got Miranda on the phone, who is a business coach, as we said from Edmonton, Alberta. And so it's it's what time where you are? About seven? Yeah, it's uh, 6.53 yep, right now. Okay. So thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. Um, before we get started, can you, for our listeners, just introduce yourself a little bit about um, you and what type of practice you have, what type of therapist you are, and um, and then we'll jump in and go from there. Absolutely. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. On the podcast today, I love it. I love the podcast, so I'm really excited to be here. Um, my name is Miranda. I'm a holistic business coach in Edmonton. Um, my uh, massage therapy um, business has been going strong for the last four years. Um, and I decided after about three years of having a thriving business that I was ready to launch my online consultant business. And it's definitely been a super fun entrepreneur ride since then. And especially since the COVID-19 has hit has hit us, um, there's definitely been some changes to the business and some ways that I've that I've I've learned a lot actually during this time. So I was really excited to hear from you guys and to be able to just talk about what I've learned and and all the amazing experiences that I've had and lessons that I've learned since launching my own business. Well, let's start at the beginning. Let's start before you launched your own business. Yeah, the RMT stuff. Yeah. I do have a question about yeah. the RMT stuff before you, you rock and roll into the RMT history. Yeah, fair enough. The title registered massage therapist in a non-regulated province. Like I get how it works in a regulated province, right? You're registered right. with the college, the right. regulatory body. Yes. Is the RMT title there used to represent that you are a member of a massage therapy association? Is that how it works? Yes, it's to say that you're a uh, registered massage therapist with your association and there's, you know, a handful to choose from right, right, right. that all follow, you know, similar criteria. Okay. Yeah, but a, yeah, I want to I want to talk about, you know, actually you as a massage therapist before we start talking about your coaching because yeah. 
I assume that people would want to know. I, I mean, I assume that the people that work with you also want to know about you and how you got into the business and, you know, where, how you learned all these tricks of the trade. So before you became a registered massage therapist, was this your first career or were you doing something prior to this? Actually, before this, I thought I was going to be, I was dead set on being a classical piano player and singer. <laughs> this seems to be a trend, by the way. I don't know how many of our episodes you've listened to because I know you're a relatively new listener, but it seems to be a trend that RMTs as a group are creative people. We've had a lot of singers and musicians and artists and actors. It's it's a very creative group of people. Don't you think other groups of people are creative as well? I don't know. I only talk to RMTs. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> For all we know, there's a whole bunch of engineers that like put on plays. I don't, I don't know, know, man. I have a lot of clients who are engineers. I don't. They don't strike me as the most artistic people in the world. In I mean, in this particular way. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so you were going to be a, a pianist, and how? How do you become a massage therapist from that? <laughs> well, that's a really good question. Um, what happened was I was working at an office and when you do, I wasn't in a college or university or anything. I was just taking private lessons. So I had a um, harmony teacher. I had a theory teacher. I had a practical teacher. Um, I was learning counterpoint and music history and all this stuff. And I had a different teacher for every subject. So, and I didn't have a car. So basically what my life looked like was that I was working full-time, nine to five. I would practice in the evening. So my butt would be in that office chair for eight hours a day. I would walk home and I would have about 10 minutes of precious sunlight from the workplace to the house. And then I would sit my butt on that piano chair and I would practice for about another two hours to three hours in the evening um, and four hours or more on the weekend to try to catch up. And I was becoming kind of miserable because I was just not moving at all, right? Yeah, that is a lot of sitting in a day. I mean, at least you were yeah. walking to and from work, but I guess that 20 minutes doesn't compare to 12 hours of sitting. So what was the end game with all of the with all the music training? The end game to switch industries? No, what like when you were doing all the music training, what were you hoping to get out of it? Like what was the move there? Well, young, so I wasn't 100% sure, but I, I had been playing piano since I was seven mm -hmm. um, and singing for a few years after that, since a few years after that. So it was just something I had known all my life that I was passionate about. And um, I think my first entrepreneur gig was when I actually would take my keyboard and my music in the backseat of my Buick and I would drive around my small town on the West Coast at that time. And I was teaching music lessons to children. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really enjoyed doing that while I was doing my lessons. And I just kind of figured, you know, I reach a point where I would know what to do. I was in my early 20s. I didn't really figure it out. Um, and so I was kind of at that point, like at that pinnacle where you are about to finish the entire program. It's like 12, 12 uh, books. And it's about between a year to a year and a half to two years, the, the more advanced you get to finish each level. Right. So you're, I'm, a, I'm in level or there's 10 levels. So I was in the 10th level um, of the Royal Conservatory program. And I was kind of starting to think about my life and I'm like, what am I going to do with this? Like right. real talk, you know, like either I'm going to be 
quitting my job and actually trying to be a professional musician. And by professional musician, you're in reference to performance, right? Like not composition, but like performing. Yes. Okay. Yeah, to perform. Right, right. Yeah. And so I guess it just kind of reached that level where I decided I I wasn't willing to take that step to become a professional musician. And mm-hmm. so I decided that I wanted to change direction. And my roommate's boyfriend at the time had just graduated as a massage therapist. And he was just talking a little bit about it. And honestly, from that moment on, it just kind of it piqued my interest. And I started looking at a couple anatomy books and saving up for school a little bit. And I signed up pretty shortly after and it completely changed my life. (laughs) I feel like this story happens a lot with massage therapy and this type of stuff I don't think happens in a lot in other industries and I have nothing to base that on. I feel like a lot of times people get into it because there's a conversation with a massage therapist who's very gung-ho about what they do and is very passionate about what they do. Yeah, for me it was you. That's what I mean. And then you listen to this (laughs) and you're like, hmm, this may be something I can do. And then you research it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is not even a long, like it's not a huge long program that I have to go to school for. I don't have to have certain grades that I need to go to university and apply to university. I go to a private career college and I can probably get in with whatever education I have now. And as long as, you know what, I can be a decent student and and tough out the work, then I can have this job. I don't think a lot of people go through this like when they're sitting around and like, yeah, I'm a lawyer. And suddenly you're like, "Hmm, maybe I want to become a lawyer. And then you go become a lawyer, right? Or "Hmm, I'm an auto tech. Ooh, well, let me go look into that. I, you know I feel what like it I happens think a is lot part with massage therapy. You know what I think is part of it though? Massage therapy, we've discussed this before, isn't necessarily something that's presented to you when you're in high school as like a viable career option. It's or I, I might be now, but I know that when I was in high school, nobody really talked about that. It was like, you know, you are going to be a doctor or a lawyer or a dentist or, you know, I'm going to be an athlete. Like, massage therapy never came up. And I feel like the majority of people that I knew um, didn't even really know what massage therapy was, right? It's, I mean, I also went to high school in an area of the city where there were a lot of, you know, neon signs that said massage. So it wasn't something we really thought about as a career option. And so when you finally meet someone who does it as a career and you hear about it and you're like, what? Like, I can do this for a living? Yeah, sign me up. And that's exactly what happened for me. I met you and I was like, yeah, this sounds kind of interesting. I have a degree in kin. Like, what do you think? I'm starting to change my tune because I, I didn't you know, again, I have nothing to base this on. Okay, I think this also happens with fitness. Yeah, anything that's like this, not like a typical career. I feel path, like I this think. actually might even happen with coaching. Like now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like hmm. coaching for sure. I don't think most people like would think of becoming a coach in something unless they feel that they're an absolute expert already. So I don't think that's something people set out to be. I mean. Miranda, before you became a massage therapist, was your dream to become a massage therapist and then start coaching other massage therapists? Or of course it no. wasn't. No, that <laughs> no, comes I was later. a personal trainer too. I was actually like a group fitness trainer and a personal trainer in addition to massage. So oh, all of us were. Training. Yeah, well, yeah, Mark yeah. and I both started in fitness as well. We both have degrees oh. in kinesiology, and we both started out in fitness and then moved into massage. So you're in you're in the company of your people, Miranda. <laughs> That's awesome how that works out. Totally cut you off, though, when you're telling us about uh, the MT stuff. Yeah, we do that. Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Yeah. So back to you then. Carry on. You uh, got into massage 
because oh, yeah, roommate's, yeah, yeah, roommate's yeah. boyfriend Yeah, finished. the roommate's boyfriend, and you were like, oh, yeah, this yeah. sounds interesting. Okay. Does it stick in your mind, something that he said in particular that's like, bang, I'm sold? I don't exactly remember what it was. I think I just, I, I've always been a really, like I said, independent person and entrepreneur spirit. I, you know, had a paper route when I was younger, and then I had, and then I had that little mobile piano business when I was 17 and I've just always kind of been like that so I really liked the fact that massage therapy could just be so independent and it could go in so many different directions and you could have that freedom and creativity like you said it does attract a lot of creative people for that reason. Somebody once described massage as an art I've heard it more than once but when I said that that a lot of RMTs I know are very creative um, the person I was speaking to said yeah well massage itself is very creative it's like it's like an art form and I'm like yeah I, I can see that it's it's scientific but also artistic it's it's combining your left and right brain and I, you know, I, I don't know if you believe in this stuff, but you know, when you can take those quizzes, like, are you more left brain or right brain dominant? Anytime I've ever done one of those things, like just for fun, I always come out dead center. Like I, I use, <laughs> I'm 50, 50, I'm both creative and logical and you know, I can, I appreciate science and art. So yeah, I don't know what I am. I'm all the things. <laughs> I don't know what I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I am. I'm a massage therapist and I'm all the things. Okay. So you know what's funny when you asked what her roommate's boyfriend said that sold her? I remember exactly what my conversation with you was when I decided, yeah, I'm going to do this. So Miranda, I'll give you a brief history. I met Mark about... 12 and a half years ago, maybe. And I was at this point in my life. Sure. Thanks. Thanks for remembering. (laughs) Love you too. Um, I was at this point in my life where I knew that I didn't want to continue on in fitness, but that's all I had done. And so I was working an office job at a private college that had a massage program. And Mm -hmm. I you know, somebody had sort of mentioned it to me like in passing because I had a degree in kinesiology and because I had done fitness. And I was like, oh, I never really thought about massage therapy. And so I talked to Mark one day and I mean, I barely knew him. I'd met him like maybe a handful of times at staff meetings. And I said, why do you do this? Like, tell me about this career a little bit. I want to understand what my life would be like if I decided to go in this direction. And he, this was it. This is what he said. He goes, I have the most stress-free life you can ever imagine. You know, I set my own hours. My clients like me. I don't take work home with me. You know, I, I work when I want. I work as much as I want. And overall, everybody's happy to see me. And it's a very stress-free kind of job. And I was like, holy shit. Why am I not doing that? Yes, I'm in. Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I've worked at a call center before where people were not happy to call in. So and that was not great. So to go from that to being able to see clients that are so excited all month, you know, or all week for their appointment to see you and you just gab the whole time like your friends during the session, like. There's nothing like it. You know, it's such a positive environment to be in for work all day. It's so the opposite of the call center. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. At the time I was (laughs) working, I was working as like a recruiter, right? I was working in the admissions office at this private college. So my job essentially was to get students in the seats of the classrooms, right? So, you know, they weren't always happy to hear from me because, you know, they just want to go home and think about it. But a call center is always totally different. Just is already angry. No, for sure. 
sure. But I mean, even the job I was doing then, it's not like people were always thrilled to hear from me somewhere, but some were like, fuck, when I'm ready to make my choice, I'll make my choice. Stop calling me. You know what I've always wondered? I've always, maybe you can answer this question about the call centers and then, sorry, I'll stop interjecting with stupidness. (laughs) The call centers, the angriest of the angry, I feel like it's old people. Is it younger people or is it older people who are the most angry when they're on the phone with you? Um, it's definitely crotchety old men. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But don't worry. We have in the call centers. I don't know if you know that we have a mute button. So if somebody's being really rude to us and we're sitting next to a friend or something, you can just press the mute button and be like, check out this guy. You know what I'm saying? And then turn it back on. (laughs) I did not know that, but that's awesome. <laughs> oh my goodness. So okay, you get into massage. I mean, yes, we keep cutting you off, but that is really what we do. That's I, I can't help it. I'm I'm not even gonna say that it's not gonna happen again. So <laughs> you get into massage and when you started massage school, actually, was it what you expected? Did you go in there like and say this is, you know, exactly what I thought, or were you just blown away by the material and, and how it was presented when you got to school? To be honest, I didn't really think about what the actual school would be like very much. Um, I hear from a lot of massage therapists that they they knew they wanted to be, you know, massage therapists, that they've been told that they have magic hands or that they're a healer or whatever, whatever, that they have like a calming energy. I don't have a calming energy, okay? Like I have a hype energy and <laughs> I'm not um I'm not super calming, like Someone said I should be a yoga teacher, and I was like, I don't have the voice for that. That's why I'm a personal trainer, because I can scream at people. <laughs> it's fully acceptable. Then. Yeah. Right? yeah, you definitely you definitely have a very high energy, but that totally goes with the coaching side, so it makes absolute sense. I always thought that I was a little too much. Like, I, you know, I talk really fast, and I talk a lot, and I, I thought that I had, like, a really high energy. Two people in the last year who had met me and didn't know what I did for a living, and then found out what I did for a living. Both people said to me, oh, I feel like you would be such a great massage therapist. Like, you just have the voice for it, and you're, you're so relaxing. Like, I would just love to sit in a room and listen to you talk. I'm like, what? Who are you? I'd never heard that before in my life. <laughs> it's really right, have you met me? Like, what are you yeah, talking like, about? What? Okay, sure. But okay, so massage was not something that was on your radar, but then, then this happened. So... You get into school, you didn't know what to expect. Did you find school easy or did you find it was like way more difficult than you thought it would be? Um, I didn't really find it too bad. Um, I think that I just because I didn't really think about it and, you know, I didn't know I wanted to be a massage therapist until I just signed up for the schooling and then just started going. So I had a completely mental clean slate and I was just open to you know, make this new direction and this new change for my life. So I hadn't really thought about it. And so I think it maybe it wasn't so bad for me because I was just consistent, you know, doing my homework, doing my thing. And I just didn't really have any expectations. And, you know, I was just hopeful and I was excited for what was coming next. So I didn't think about, oh, this is so hard. Or I definitely have a really good story, though, if you want to hear it about, how I ugly cried in the parking lot. <laughs> of course I do. I love ugly cry. I am the ugliest crier. Is there so any other it. type of cry? No. Some girls look, by the way, like like adorable when they cry. Like they make you want to hug them. Mark can attest to this. I am the ugliest crier. 
So That's yes, I want to hear thought, this. I thought a lot of people have ugly cries. <laughs> no, you're just married to the next, ugliest. Okay, cry. <laughs> next time, next time you're crying, whether you think it's an ugly cry or not, do me a favor. Go in the mirror and stare at yourself cry, and tell me if it doesn't look like you're laughing hysterically. If okay. you can turn down the volume and maybe dry your face a little bit, if it's a soaking wet, but you might also be no. But you know how you laughter. know how red I get when I cry. I don't get that red when I laugh. But tell me, if your face doesn't look exactly like we turn down the volume and you're watching like a super fucking funny act. All right, I'll try it. But yes, Miranda, I want to hear your ugly cry story because I'm an ugly crier. Mm, yes. Okay. I was massaging, you know, practice, practice, massaging people around, friends around town and stuff like that. And I had put up like a little school bulletin that was like, I'll massage you for free. I want practice and stuff. So I was once again through the table in the back, through the books in the back. And I was driving around town massaging for practice. Uh, not the Buick at this point. The Buick was long gone. It was a piece of trash. Okay. okay? okay. <laughs> I had a, um, I actually happened to have a, even, an even worse vehicle at this time, which is part of the story. A friend sold it to me and I was like, oh, so great. I'm going to have a, a nice low maintenance vehicle for school because I was moving in with my cousin who lived a little further away. But she was like, oh, I'll charge you really cheap rent and it'll be super affordable and super easy. But it, it was not. Um so I have my car, what was it, a Volkswagen Jetta, mm. and um, I've got everything in the back. And so I'm staying, I end up moving out of my cousin's because it's too far away and I'm having all these car problems. And so I move in closer to town with my friend Dana, and she has a one-bedroom apartment. So she's letting me flop my mattress down in her living room for six months until I finish school so I can get my life together and with this, all these car repairs and stuff. So one day her building says that they need to do um, like concrete repairs in the parking lot in their building. So all of the residents had to park their cars in an adjacent building. And they gave us like these little parking passes or whatever to be able to park somewhere else. And so this building was about across the street and one block up, up this really steep hill. So I was lugging my huge bag with all of my sheets and my books and stuff, going to a massage appointment, huffing it up this steep hill on a hot day to get to my car to get to this massage. And even though I had the parking pass, my car was towed. Oh. And so, right, like I've got all these books. I got this heavy bag. I'm just rushing from school. I just hustled up this huge hill on a super hot day. And I got there and I saw that my car was gone. And I just dropped my bag. And I after having all these car problems too. So I had just spent like thousands of dollars on this car and now have to pay tow fees and everything. And I just dropped my knees down to the parking in the parking lot. And I was like, "Ah, oh, I can't do this anymore." And I that just That is hundred percent what my reaction would be. Oh, that deserves a Kim yep. Kardashian ugly yep. face cry. That's definitely, one hundred percent deserves an ugly cry yep. for sure. That was a horrible moment. And then I just, I got the car back, and I just sold it at a huge loss right after that. I was like, "I can't do this anymore." Fuck this car! I can't. <laughs> oh wow. Okay, so you had you had kind of a rough start. I mean. Everything you're saying, by the way, is making me now understand how you got into coaching. Like you literally had so many obstacles 
you know, the the car that didn't work, sleeping on somebody's floor and going to school and trying to work and pay your bills and like, holy shit, girl, you've got some perseverance and resilience. Oh, wait, isn't that what you told me you want to talk about tonight? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm starting to understand you now. Okay. So you you were going through school. It was okay. Everything's fine. And then you finish. And did you have a plan when you were in school, what you were going to do? Did you always kind of know you wanted to open up your own business? Or did you think you were going to go work for somebody? Like, tell me about your first job out of school. I got my first job. It was actually pretty good. Like first job as a full-time registered, you know, practitioner was was really good at first. And I was just, you know, building my client list and I was hustling and I was, you know, walking up and down the main street downtown and handing out business cards and shaking hands with people and like, just trying to like do my thing and do the chair massage thing. And um, so my boss, a few months after hiring me, so I wasn't one of those people that just like found a clinic and loved it and stayed there. And that was like a nice, easy journey. Of course, knowing me and knowing my ugly cry story, I had a few different clinic jobs of multiple of which I was, you know, either taken advantage of in some way in the contract or there was some kind of issue that came up and, you know, I was wondering if it was me. Um, but the, the clinic I worked at was pretty good, but then she moved to Australia. And so there was no longer someone there to really oversee, to kind of oversee everything on Skype with such a time difference that you can only really talk to her for a couple hours a day. And I started to kind of, just because of my personality and how everyone was just would like to just tell me things and I was tight with everyone. Um, I kind of just stepped up and started to take on more and more of like a managerial role, but of course not getting paid for it. I really started to kind of work on my professional development at that point, you know, and learning about different sales skills and building my practice. And it was all very exciting. And so I, I saw her one day when she was back in town, we had a meeting and I was looking for other jobs because I was unhappy with this arrangement. And I had spoken to her about it a couple of times. And I told her like, look, I do all this work. I do this and this and this. I would love to step into an official managerial position with a, you know, managerial, um, you know, compensation. I, I can even help promote for you. And I was like trying to learn new skills and apply them to what I thought would be a great new role for me because I'd worked there for two years at this point. And she said no. And then she suggested someone who I recruited, who is an amazing practitioner to work at the clinic. Um, and she suggested that she should be the manager, even though she hadn't even asked her about it. And so I was kind of, you know, I felt like really brushed off because I had put so much time and blood, sweat and tears into helping this clinic grow. Um, and I had earned all the trust from my coworkers just to be turned down like that. And so I ended up um, changing jobs and worked at this new clinic, which I work at now. And it's very independent. Like I basically just pay monthly to run my own business out of it. And um, once again, in this new clinic, people love to tell me things and, you know, tell me their issues. And I just love problem solving and really getting 
just that deep understanding and the nitty gritty of so many issues that we see in this industry began to just really fascinate me and I ran with it. That first job where, where essentially you got looked over for someone that you recruited, which is a fucking kick in the face, were you fucking mad? <laughs> like, I would be mad as I'd shit. I'd be really mad. Or were you just I like, I was really okay. mad. I was so mad that I quit. <laughs> Like you quit angry? Like like was this an angry like fuck you kind of thing or, or are you too professional for that? Uh no, I wasn't too professional. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I would not be. I'm I can admit and I know this and I know it's probably something I have to work on. Someone's gonna call me out on like I know my ego right there like if i got passed over for somebody that i recruited and i knew how much work i and was you putting were into it doing the work yeah my ego would have taken over and it would have been fuck you and your fucking business and i would have yeah no i i don't like that i don't my probably my biggest pet peeve in life is not being appreciated you know i don't necessarily need medals and ribbons and awards for things but if i can see Mm -hmm. that i'm not being appreciated for the amount of work i'm doing yeah i'm not doing it anymore and i'm not leaving quietly is is part of your anger let's go burn the motherfucking place down is that part of your anger you just angry are you asking me or her i'm asking because you're looking straight at me Yeah, I'm, I'm going to burn some shit down. If I get if I get treated like that, like I've put in so much work and you are going to give okay. credit to somebody else. Oh, man. No, I don't. I don't do well I know, that. I know some people and I'm thinking about one one dude in particular, like he's a silent angry. Like he, he'll never say anything. He won't, you know, but he's just burnt up inside. See, most of the time I am a silent angry. I'm, I'm fairly passive. I don't like confrontation. We actually recorded with somebody earlier today who said she grew up in a house of non-confrontation, you know, like if there was an issue, it was swept under the rug. And I feel I grew up that way as well. But I, again, I, I guess it's my ego when I don't feel like I'm getting recognition for like blood, sweat and tears. Like if I feel like I've poured my heart into something and I don't get any kind of acknowledgement or appreciation yep. for it, then I'm angry. Well, good on you for knowing your value and saying I'm out of here. Yeah. Thank you. It, and you know, at this time I was like, I didn't really have a, you know, super specific formula in place, but I was hustling and I was the dizziest person there. So that was definitely um, the straw that broke the camel's back for me. Well, and as you said, your coworkers were coming to you to problem solve. So obviously you have a quality that people know that you can figure shit out. Like you've got the leadership quality, obviously. Um because that's that's what ends up happening is when you work in a clinic with a bunch of people, the person who seems to have their shit together and know what's going on, that tends to be the person that everybody goes to to bounce ideas off of or to get advice from or to figure shit out. So obviously your coworkers saw that in you. It's weird that the owner didn't see that in you, but maybe it's because she was in Australia. Yeah, I mean, ultimately though, I've, I've thought about this and, and I don't regret it because the cool thing is now I can say in my consulting business that, you know, I tell this story and I'm like, I, I wasn't one of those people that just had one clinic job and it was a cushy job after school and it was great. I had, I did bounce around and I did have kind of a tough time finding my groove and, and finding all the things that I wanted for my life that I know I could, that I, I know I had earned and, and could, and would continue to earn. Right. Did you ever think after graduation, like you, you finished, you have your license, you're a member of the association. Did you ever think it was going to be that hard to find your groove? Yes and no. I mean, these experiences I never could have foreseen, but at the same time, like, I don't know if you, you, a lot of massage therapists, I think are like this and just like independent business owners were like good employees, but bad employees, you know, like I'm, I 
I get my work done. I meet or exceed the expectations. I work super hard. But then at the same time, I always am trying to find better ways to do things. And if someone doesn't know the answer for something, I'll just go above them to ask someone else or to just do it myself. Like I try to just be resourceful and efficient. And if you're not following, you know, the protocol and the red tape and like a corporation, then you can get in trouble for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You speak my language. Yes. And you're right. A lot of... um a lot of people go into massage therapy for that autonomy, you know, and it's it's actually looked, it's it's a quality that you want to have if you're in a field like this, because at the end of the day, you're a healthcare practitioner. You have to be able to think critically and make decisions on the fly. And you can't have somebody telling you what to do all the time. You have to be able to just figure shit out on your own and do it, right? Like when you're working with your clients, you don't have a manager standing behind you saying, well, this is what you should do next. And this, No, you have to be able to think for yourself. So it's a quality that's great. But yeah, it kind of does for some people if it, you know, if it's really strong in you, I feel like Yoda when I say stuff like that. Um, if, 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 if that's something that's really strong in you, then yeah, it kind of it makes you a little bit unemployable. Like you have to work for yourself because you have to be able to be in control of these things and just do shit and get shit done the way it needs to get done. And she doesn't like barriers when she doesn't understand why this is a fucking barrier. Mm-hmm. Like that probably drives you fucking insane if I'm reading it right. Yeah, like I'm 100% the kind of person that needs to understand why I'm doing something before I do it. And I think that an awesome quality about a coach and myself is that so many people I've found are, are are afraid of confrontation to the point where they will quit their job or cut off a friend or something like that because they don't want to have that confrontation. And I've actually worked really hard to be okay with confrontation and to be able to handle different personalities and to deal with conflict, conflict resolution and to be really direct about it. And I've definitely ruffled some feathers um, along that journey as well. Amazing. I mean, I've, I've said multiple times that I don't like confrontation. I don't like confrontation in my personal life, but when it comes to business, I, you have to be able to separate that. You know, if there's something that somebody is saying that doesn't jive with you when it comes to business, you have to speak up for yourself because otherwise you're going to get walked all over and you're never going to get to the place that you need to be professionally. So that's one area where I don't have a problem saying like, no, that doesn't work for me. In my personal life, yeah, I could probably use a coach, but <laughs> professionally I'm doing okay. <laughs> Excellent. Maybe you need a life coach or something. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then let's talk about this this coaching thing, because that's really why you wanted to come and chat tonight is that in the last four years, you've been successful. You've managed to build up this really thriving practice and then decided, you know, I want to help other people. So walk me through how that happens. Was it like an epiphany one day or was it something that you had sort of slowly started to consider when you saw how well you were doing in this field? Uh, Yeah, like I think I was. So at this point in my career, right before I had decided to make this leap, I was fully booked um, up to about six to eight weeks in advance for clients to see me. So, you know, I have no slow season for the past two years, right? Like, you know how that a lot of people assume that you're going to get that January, February kind of dip and in the summer as well. I actually hadn't experienced that. I've had a six to eight week wait list for clients to see me for 
almost the past two years at this point. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of at the point where I'm a lot of other practitioners are kind of just asking me because I'm really diving into social media and starting to like be more intentional about how I'm doing things. And people are asking me questions and how I do things. And I just kind of figured at this point, I can't really describe that there is a moment or anything like that, like a pinnacle moment. But I just have always loved teaching and educating, hence the, you know, piano, mobile piano career back in the day. And I just decided, you know, I looked at the way things were going and thought about my next three years or so, you know, and I and I love having my hands in, in multiple different projects. And I just thought, I'm ready for something more. This makes sense for me for my next step for what I want. This is getting even more independence, which I love. I'm always looking for ways to level up my independence and my freedom to do things. And I didn't even have the money. I just picked a coach that I, a business coach, a generic business coach that I had known um, for a little bit. And I just put it on my credit card and I asked him to help me set up my email list and my, all my stuff. And I just like went for it totally blind. <laughs> So you hired a business coach to start your coaching company. I love that. Yes. <laughs> you know what I really love about that so. is it, beca yes, because it makes so much sense. Again, if we're talking about egos, no successful person got where they are on their own. You know, that the whole point I want to is, become a karate master. I'm going to go hire a exactly, fucking karate master exactly. to teach me. Exactly. <laughs> My favorite saying when I started teaching business was like, I would always say to people, you are not you should never expect yourself to be good at everything because nobody is good at everything. And so figure out what your strengths are, figure out what you are really great at and figure out what you need to get done and all those things that maybe you're not really great at. Well, guess what? There's somebody that is. Hire that guy. Like I am, I, I love when people can just, you know, push their ego aside and understand I need help with something. I know that I, what I want to do and I know where I want to go and I've got the goal set, but I need some help getting there. It might not even be that I need help, but it's definitely saves you a hell of a lot of time. Yeah. Like maybe you could have figured out everything on of your own, you but it would just take you forever. Right? And two well, heads I mean, are better than one. I'm just saying in some scenarios, you definitely won't be able to figure shit out. But in, in this scenario, that might've been the case, right? Mm -hmm. It just saves you so much, so much time. Yeah. For me, it was definitely the biggest challenge was the tech. And so I love hearing this when I talk to new clients now and they're like intimidated or afraid of how to set up an email list and do these things that I teach and that involves technology. And I'm, I just have to say like, dude, you have no idea how technically challenged I used to be. I used to get so frustrated. I couldn't even use Google Drive. I didn't even know what it was. I would just turn off the computer. I'm like, no. <laughs> So just you turn know, it like off. for I me to get totally for me to get from that point, you know, to be somewhat proficient with it throughout all of that time. I'm like, if I can do it, like, actually, if I can do it, you can definitely do it. <laughs> well, that's a great quality to have in a coach, too, though, is you know, under the fact that you're so open with your clients and you let them know like, hey, this is where I started and this is what was going on and look where I am now. So they can see that it is actually possible and they're speaking to someone who has the experience of starting from nothing. Can I ask you a question then as a potential coaching 
client, mm. like what would you think more of? Like that person that is showing their vulnerability and these are the this is the this is the stuff I've learned along the way from some of the mistakes that I've made. Or would you or would you prefer to have someone that appears like everything was perfect and I just did everything fabulous and everything is fabulous and there was no struggle because I've got the formula. Are you asking oh you're asking me? I'm asking anyone else. <laughs> well yeah, I'm asking well, well really. if you're asking me though, I I hate bullshit like that's something you know about me i hate when i feel like somebody is what is it you call it grandstanding soapboxing or whatever i don't like that because that to me screams insecurity that to me screams that you're hiding something if somebody can say you know what i've made seven million mistakes here's what i learned from it and here's what i can tell you what not to do i am way more attracted to that person that person is being honest and being real nobody got to where they are by doing everything perfectly the only way you learn is by fucking up that i know everything mentality is is so old now yeah it's but that used to be the way it's not like that anymore no because people see through bullshit people want genuine people yeah definitely i i i'm 100 percent real about what it takes to go through my program and i've on i've posted about this on my social media before i hate those um easy you know i hate those headlines that make it look so easy like seven figures in seven weeks or like four easy steps to blah, seven blah, blah, minute blah, blah. And I'm like, are you sick of that? Like, I'm so sick of that. That's why when I talk to clients and I, you know, offer up value and content, I never, I try my best never to say, I just say like, this is what I've done. I don't ever promise results because it entirely depends on that person. And what they're willing to put into it. And I'm very clear about the fact that there are no shortcuts to this, you know. So, Miranda, who are your people? Who are your ideal coaching clients to work with? My perfect coaching client is somebody who is humble, who knows that there is so much to learn, who is willing to absorb the information and run with it. I mean, it's okay if they have fears and doubts and mental blocks and things like that. We want to work through things like that. But the important thing is, a practitioner who's, you know, hungry to learn and just teachable and who is, you know, open, open to thinking outside the box too. Okay. So you had said something earlier, um, like just now you said something about your program. When somebody reaches out to you and wants your help, do you do like a pre-interview? Do you have a screening process? Like, do you, do you turn away people? Like, do you ever talk to someone you're like, you know, I don't think we're a good fit. This is not going to work. Or do you work with anybody who reaches out to you? Uh, No, I don't work with anyone who reaches out to me. Most of my practitioners are kind of at the point where maybe they've been working at a clinic that they're really unhappy with. And they're kind of that pressure is rising and they're kind of reaching that pinnacle where they want to launch their own home-based business or their own practice and they're ready to go out on their own, or maybe they're in a situation, you know, where they want to raise or they don't know how to deal with, you know, repeated conflicts at work. And I help them with conflict resolution, how to make more money and how to like, I've launched multiple profitable workshops and events and markets and things like that. I love like, I thrive off of that busy in person connection and that energy. So I teach people to be able to launch their own workshops and classes too. So That's kind of what I mean by like someone who's 
willing to think outside the box if they want to. Like I helped a client one time who really likes sewing logos and names onto scrubs. And I was like, start an Etsy shop, like launch a YouTube channel. Like I helped her with that kind of thing too. So we do a little bit of everything, whatever the person needs. Um, but I did actually turn a client down one time when she she basically had a space that she wanted to rent out to another person, basically to make the rent, make the income off of that practitioner. And she phoned me and she's basically like, Miranda, I want you to help me, you know, field hires for me, basically. Like, I want you to help me find a practitioner to rent this space. And, you know, I'm a fighter for the practitioners, right? Like, I care about about them. So I asked her, okay, if you were, if the roles were reversed and you were a practitioner looking for a job, give me your honest opinion. Would you look at the four walls that you're providing and everything you're offering? And would you be over the moon psyched to accept that job offer and to work for you? And she got kind of defensive and she was like, well, why would I work here if I didn't like it, you know, and was kind of like, kind of had that attitude where you can tell she's kind of pulling back and she really just wanted to make money off someone, right? And didn't understand the importance of creating an open, inviting culture and and that she has to be able to provide that person clients as well. No one's going to want to work for you when you have nothing to offer. And so I ended up basically saying, I don't think this is a good fit um, because I don't want a practitioner to go into that space where they're not feeling stimulated. They're not feeling excited about where they are because I've been there. Mm -hmm. What's the craziest business idea that someone's ever come to you and said, help me develop this? The craziest business idea? Yeah. Oh, man. It could be something you rejected as well. I'm just curious as to like, what's the wildest thing that someone's like, hey, this is is what I got going on. It hasn't been anything that's too out there at this point. I would say one of the coolest ideas that I heard was from that client I told you about that wanted to make her do her own sew logos for other people with their scrubs. And then she wanted to make to sew her own custom sheets as well. And I thought about it and I haven't, to be honest, I haven't looked in a long time since we worked together, but I was like, dang, I would totally buy a really nice custom quality set of sheets that like maybe had my logo on it or that had some trippy colors on it. Like how many sheets do you see that are just like a custom pattern that you chose for yourself? I thought that was really cool. That was kind of cool. All my sheets are white. I'm so boring. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you, you know, you're doing this coaching thing and you, you obviously pre-screen the people you work with. You're all for the practitioner and you're, I, what I'm sensing is the people that come to you are coming to you because they need somebody to, it it sounds like you're almost like a cheerleader for these people. Like, okay, you've got this great idea and you're helping them like you can do it. And the, and you know, you're helping them brainstorm and think of, you know, like you said, with the YouTube channel or, um, and you're helping people with email marketing and learning how to use technology. What is your your main goal in all of this? Like, do you have like a mission statement when when there's people who are attracted to you? You know, you sort of gave me an idea of your ideal client. So, do you have like a mission statement of what you're looking to do for all of these people? What is what is your mission, Miranda? Well, I love working with people that have that desire to activate that entrepreneur within them, like dig deep to find it and to just run with it 
Like I want to work with a holistic practitioner that has like an entrepreneur heart, you know? Are rule breakers hard to work with or are rule breakers super easy to work with? Um, depends what you mean by hard or easy. I would, I did work with somebody once who was just a little bit to kind of override what I was saying and say and be just a little bit combative, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I learned a lot from that experience and what it really feels like when you're talking with someone who you know it just clicks and they're your perfect client. And when you don't have that feeling when you speak with someone and then you you agree to work with them anyways, that they won't get their results won't be as good because you didn't really click from the beginning, right? Like you didn't feel lit up when you thought about helping them with their business. So in that way, that's kind of difficult. Like I said before, as long as the person is like coachable and humble, then whatever problems they have, whatever they're dealing with, I love it because I learn so much from each person. I love the idea of coaching. I mean, it's I do 7 million things already. It's not something I'm going to add to my career path, or at least not right now. But I do love the idea of coaching because I think sometimes people, I, I shouldn't even say I think sometimes, I know that oftentimes people don't recognize their own potential. Like I love when I talk to someone and I'm I'm just like listening to them and I think, man, you could do so many things. Like you don't even know what you can do. And I would love to be able to be the person to make them recognize like these are all of the things you can do. This is everything you can have. So I, I see the appeal to to get into something like coaching. Do you do you feel like a sense of pride? When, you know, you have a person who came to you with like, fuck, I don't know what to do. And then you help them like bring their their dream into reality. Do you feel like super proud in that moment? Like, are you just elated? I don't know. I get excited thinking about that because I would love to just there's certain people even in my life right now that I feel like I just want to take them and be like, do you know what you can do with your life if you just fucking put your Let mind to it? Let me do it for you. Can I do your life for you? I would crush it. <laughs> Well, I don't want to do it for them. I want to make them like get you had mentioned mental blocks earlier. It's so crazy being an outsider to somebody that you're like, man, if you only realized how much you're limiting yourself, it's incredible. I know that sometimes people come to me with issues or like I have a Facebook group as well that I do lives on and I get comments or people private message me to thank me for a particular piece of content I shared or something like that and how it helps them. And that just makes my heart swell with pride. I feel so, I feel so elated and just this feeling I can't even really describe when I know that someone was in a certain place and something I said helped them. I feel like that just means everything. And so I'm actually really excited about this next step because I'm planning to um, expand my business to working with small businesses that have these practitioners working in-house, right? Like, why would I work with... Why Why not instead of working with someone who is at the point where they're so disillusioned with their current clinic situation that they want to launch their own business, why don't we go to the source now that I've heard all this amazing... You know, I've got all this amazing data and... um I've got all these amazing surveys and information about my clients' needs and desires. Why don't we go to the source 
to make sure that the team as a whole is being run well so that they don't even get to that point where they want to quit and do their own thing anyway. That makes a lot of sense. I have a question though. I got a question of just to pull it back a little bit. I would imagine then if you're someone that takes pride in that, you would also be the same person if someone is still not succeeding that you would take that home with you then, right? Uh, I I take it. That's something I, I have to work on. I definitely take it pretty hard. Um, I feel that I can be, you know, hard on myself quite a lot. And I feel like I failed them if I didn't, if they don't have that life transformation that I was hoping for. Um, and I wouldn't say that that's happened, um, you know, as far as I know, unless I just never heard from someone again, but I do what I can to keep my Facebook group going and to keep doing lives and showing up so that they can ask me questions and I can kind of continue to support them in a more like friendly way going forward because I don't want to, I don't want to work with someone and then let them go knowing, not knowing if they're getting that life transformation. Yeah. I would definitely be the type of person to take it home with me. I I like I know that a hundred percent. So I don't know if this would be the career path for me because. But, but you have to be if you're the same person that's going to be like super happy yeah. and full of pride. Then you're also going to be the same person that you know really feels it when someone doesn't succeed. Yeah. Versus if you're that person in the middle, you know I helped you along the way. You did the work, or I helped you along the way. You didn't do the work. I did my job. You know I don't feel anything. You would for sure be that person. Mark cares like way too much but not not in a bad way but like way too much even when we teach our courses at con ed like he is very very adamant about making sure that every single person that is in that room is getting what they came there for so he starts every course off asking everybody what is it that you want to get out of this weekend and Mm -hmm. his teaching style is very flexible so you can sit in on the same course but on different dates and get a slightly different version based on what the practitioners want to focus on. So I feel like, yeah, if you were a coach, you would definitely be the person that would take every success and failure with you. He's just nodding like, yeah. A lot of RMTs are like passionate, right? So I'm like passionately excited when something awesome happens for my clients. And then when something they don't get the result we were expecting, I'm like passionately mad at myself. Does the ugly Kim Kardashian cry happen in those moments? <laughs> I love that you use Kim Kardashian. It's He had no idea who Kim Kardashian was before he met me. But when I showed him a picture of her ugly crying, that is that is the only measure we use for when someone ugly cries. Like, is it as bad as Kim Kardashian? She is the ugliest cry in the world. <laughs> <laughs> So you had mentioned earlier something about a program. If people sign up to get coaching from you, do you have a specific program? Or when you said program, is it is it individual individually designed based on the client you have? I would say it's pretty flexible. Like I have a six-week program. I just launched an eight-week program if the person needs an extra couple weeks of support. It is, it did kind of start out at the very beginning as being six kind of focal points that I found if you had a strong foundation in all these six areas that, you know, you would be able to be successful in whatever position you're in. Um, But every time I go through this with someone, I learn something about them or about what they need. And I 
I tweak it a bit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at this point now, it is still those those six areas of focus, but it's kind of morphed to the point where I'm definitely flexible. I think there's certain topics that, you know, like understanding who your perfect client is, what kind of what kind of massage clients you want, you know, what clients right. kind of clients you want to serve, being able to professionally communicate with your coworkers and colleagues in the workplace, knowing how to get referrals and reviews and knowing how to collaborate with other people in your community. Like all these things I think are a cornerstone of the program. But at this point, I'm just, I'm malleable, right? Like if there's something else that you need that's not in there, we'll make time for it. I like it. Okay. So I had alluded to this before that when you originally reached out to us and you said you want to talk about resilience and was Why it- Why did you go into your perse- voice? Perseverance. Perseverance. Was that, was that it? Was it resilience and perseverance? Um, yes. And you, <laughs> you know, you and I had talked off mic about- you know, the, the changing climate with, you know, COVID and everything that's happening now. Tell me what you meant by that when you originally messaged me and said, I want to talk about resilience and perseverance. I assumed it had to do with what's going on in the world right now. Yes. Um, I wanted to talk about it because I was actually in Thailand when this all went down and I was learning Thai massage. I did a solo trip for three weeks and people were kind of worried about me before leaving. I Even before I left, it was just kind of like a whisper at this point. Like there were things kind of happening, but I decided to go anyway. And it was a life-changing trip for me. And I learned some amazing Thai massage techniques and made some lifelong friends. And I came back even despite all the changes with COVID now, I've still, you know, persevered to grow my business. I figured this is my only chance where I'll be able to grow my business as if it's my full-time gig, because that's ultimately what I hope to be doing. And so I decided to just go for it. And so I, I work on it every day. Um, and I guess that's the the perseverance part of it is just taking risks, you know, not like caring what other people think, but not letting it, not letting it control what you're going to do or ultimately what your decision is that you know is right for you in your heart. And um, just doing what you can to build up that mental fortitude so that you can be resilient in times where other people you know, I really love this industry in the, and especially in the coaching industry because I did reach that pinnacle where I was like, I'm busy, you know, I'm booked eight weeks, eight weeks in advance. Like I want more. I know I can do, I know there's more out there for me. And, and a lot of practitioners would say things like, Oh, you know, you gotta, you gotta have a work life balance. You gotta slow down. We can only do so much, you know, and I know that they mean well, but I want to be that person. I want to be that coach for someone that they say, okay, I want to build this. I want to do this. And instead of me saying, oh, you know, take care of your hands. You got to slow down. I'm going to say, okay, how can we make this happen for you? I like that attitude. I like that because I think that in itself is a mental block. I think people 
hear these things, you know, things like, oh, you have to have a work-life balance. Oh, you have to take care of yourself. It's not that I don't think that those things are real. It's not that I don't think you have to have a work-life balance or you have to take care of yourself. But I think that when that's always being shoved down your throat, it can be a little hard to focus on what you really want. And you want to be the busy massage therapist that sees eight to 10 people a day. Well, if that's what you want to be, well, then how can we make that happen? Fuck what everyone is saying behind you. Work-life balance. Take care of yourself. See, this is where I think a real entrepreneur is different, right? Because a real entrepreneur, it it's your life. This is your life. So it's not a debate of trying to find a work-life balance. No, because you love what your, you do. Whatever you're doing is your life. That's yeah. it. I don't know. What do you yes. think, Miranda? You agree with that? What you're like, I mean, yes, there's other aspects to you, but I know a big part of my identity is a massage therapist and an educator. And when I go to work, I don't feel like it's work. I'm not dragging my fucking feet to go to work. I enjoy what I do and I love what I do. And I I want to be there and I want to do it. Yes. Like being a massage therapist has made me more of an entrepreneur and actually a better person than anything else. I think in my life as a whole, like just growing up, you know, doing this career with the connections I made and the people that I've met, it's been incredible. And yes, I 100% agree as an entrepreneur, your life is whatever you want it to be and whatever you want to make it. And that's why I love being creative and thinking outside the box if that would, if that's what someone wants. Because I think it's okay at this point after seeing what's happening in, in COVID with everyone making everything virtual and online, that it's okay to want to blend things together and to do different things. It doesn't have to be massage four or five people a day, five days a week, you know, until you burn out or until you get arthritis or something or change direction. You can find a way to blend multiple things to create this awesome, holistic business that can be massage, but it can be so many other things too. I love talking to people who are just creating their own way. You know, you you saw an opportunity, you were a busy massage therapist, you saw how many people were coming to you for advice, and you're like, man, I could... I can make a business out of this and you love what you're doing. And obviously your clients are enjoying your program. So for anyone that is listening and that thinks that they might need some assistance and they might want to hire a coach, how would somebody get in touch with you? A great way to get in touch with me is from my website. You can book a consultation to talk with me. It's just www.massagebymir.com consulting.com or you can email me to it just massage by at gmail.com. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to talk about Miranda? No, I think we've covered a lot. I just really appreciate you guys having me on. I love how I love the banter. I don't mind that you cut me off. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you so, so much. I apologize. It's my memory. I have the worst short-term memory. If I don't say something right here, right now, it's gone forever. And I don't know where it goes. My entire life is trying to get out sentences before Mark cuts me off. Well, it was it was really a pleasure having you on and I'm going to I'm going to end the episode with a confession. 
Okay. Are you ready for this? Yes. It's a confession. So when you first messaged me on Instagram, I mean, Mark and I both control the Instagram account. So it's always a a toss up of who's going to answer you. And it just happened to be me that opened the initial message when we started following each other. And I think you, you know, you might've sent me something like, Hey, thanks for the follow. And I was like, yeah, thanks for the follow, you know, just being friendly. That's what we do. And then you had sent me a message like, you know, what made you decide to start a podcast? And, you know, you had all, all of these questions, which are just perfectly normal questions. And I saw that your profile was that you were um, a consultant. And here's my confession. I said to Mark, I think she's trying to sell us something. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, honestly, we get so much of that, right? We get people who want to, like, let me improve your SEO or, you know, let me help you with your social media marketing or this or this or this. So I saw that you were a consultant. LinkedIn is the worst for that. But we get so much on, you know, even Facebook and Instagram and email. Like, we get so many people trying to sell us things, right? The worst for that. So, yeah, your initial message, as pleasant as it was, I turned to Mark and I think, I was like, yeah, I think she's trying to sell us something. Which is why I apologize. I didn't respond to you right away until I realized, no, you're like a real person and you're a business coach. (laughs) (laughs) That is okay. Oh my gosh. You would have no idea. Some of the messages that I look back on like months ago or even years ago where I'm trying to advertise for my massage even or and then, you know, months before when I'm trying to advertise for my consulting business and trying to get into conversations with people. I cringe so hard at the stuff I used to say is really bad. Oh, no, I understand. Believe me. I definitely cringe at some of my old like email marketing or even the early podcasts. Like when I go back and listen to stuff that I recorded two years ago, I'm like, oh, can we just delete that from, you know, the world forever, please? (laughs) Exactly. But anyway, I'm glad you did reach out to us. And I'm glad I realized that you were, you know, not trying to sell me something. And we actually got to have American. eh? I was like, who is who is this? Person. Buy my shit. <laughs> I'm kidding. She's trying to she's trying to sell us something. I Guess don't know. Guess what, all you US folks, I do buy your shit. So <laughs> Well, anyone who's listening, if you want to get in touch with Miranda, she said it's massaged by Murr, and now I know she's a real person, like not a bot, not trying to sell me things. And um I like what you're doing, and I love that you're Canadian because I think that there is there's there's not as many coaches in Canada. So I think this is a a great thing that you're doing. And a lot of therapists right now probably do need a little bit of direction because we're in really scary, weird times right now. Yes, absolutely. I agree. And thank you so much again. It's been so much fun. Right on. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.